Tennessee football has its quarterback of the future. His name is Nico Iamaliava, and now Tennessee might have its next quarterback of the future. George McIntyre, the five-star quarterback prospect from in-state Brentwood Academy, committed to Tennessee this week and will headline Josh Heupel's 2025 recruiting class. Welcome in to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer, along with the Knoxville News Sentinels, John Adams. John was out last week, unable to join us. He was traveling the globe, and now it's Adam's turn to travel the globe. I believe Adam is heading up to check on the northern border. John, uh, you're down on the southern border. How is uh, how's things looking from your viewpoint there in South Padre? Well, um, things are about, I would say, about 60 degree wa- degrees warmer than they are in lovely Knoxville, Tennessee, so I can't complain about that. I timed this vacation just right. I got out of Knoxville just before it all hit, hours before. And uh, it was chilly down here for a few days, but uh, there wasn't nine inches of snow outside. There weren't nine inches of snow, and there weren't uh, there wasn't any ice on the road. If they have ice on the road in here in South Padre Island, people will be skidding into the Gulf. I mean, there's no people... I mean, it would be kind of comical to watch people try to drive on ice in South Padre Island. They they don't even know what ice is unless they put it in their cocktail. <laughs> well, Tennessee fans needed something to bring a smile to their face as uh, Arctic conditions descended upon Knoxville, and, and they and they got it with George McIntyre's commitment, John. And and uh, McIntyre, I mean, he was he was going all in on this. He said of his his commitment to Tennessee, he said, "quote This isn't a decision." It's a calling, and the volunteers <laughs> answer the call. I mean, you talk about going all in on someone. Uh, he is. He might as well get the power T tattooed on his on his chest, right? And and this is a like I said, this is a guy is a five star prospect. Um, you look at the quarterback rankings; he's right behind Bryce Underwood, um, the prospect from Michigan, who is committed to Brian Kelly's recruiting class at LSU, and and McIntyre. Um, you know, he fits the bill. He's, he's like six foot five, six foot six. He's got this, um, you know, that prototypical height that you want in a quarterback. I'm sure, you know, probably needs to fill out a bit. Sure. But, uh, you know, what high school prospect doesn't, he's had a standwood standout career there at Brentwood Academy. So what does this commitment mean? Do you think for Josh Heupel in Tennessee? Because it was, a, I mean, it was like 20 years since Tennessee had had got a quarterback of this caliber, this recruiting ranking caliber, until they got Nico. And now they're getting another one, assuming he signs. And based on what he just said, how could he not, right? Um, so what does this mean for Tennessee, John? Uh, a calling. That's, that's, that's a nice touch. Uh, it was kind of like a calling that uh, took Davy Crockett from Tennessee to the Alamo. Didn't turn out great, but it enhanced his legend. Uh, yeah, you couldn't ask for more than that. Uh, two things come to mind about what it means for Tennessee. It again proves that Josh Heupel, Tennessee's coach, can get the best quarterbacks. He got that uh, in the 2023 class with Nico Yamaleava. He got it uh, He last year. He signed... Uh, 
in the, in this class, in 24 class, he signed another, he signed a four star. Now he's getting five star for 25. So that speaks to Tennessee's offensive success. And you get a really good quarterback. I think it enhances your upper chances of getting uh, other good offensive skill players. It just does. I mean, wide receivers have to look at that. They know now early on that they're going to a program that ha- that is stockpiled with good quarterbacks. No concern there. And there's also a track record for Heupel's offense. Um, the other uh, the other aspect of it, to get an elite quarterback now, even if it's a calling, uh, money money calls too. Sure, and, it does. and Tennessee has a has a really nice NIL collective. That's obvious based on its recruiting, based on its on its how it's done in the transfer portal. So um, this is a really good sign for Tennessee. I mean, it's one thing to get a five star quarterback occasionally. You get two and three seasons. That's that says that speaks to the program, not just a one year deal. And it's got to be more. It's the program, the coach, and the NIL. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, John. And it, and it tells me. I would add one more thing to the list of, of things that tells me about Tennessee and Josh Heupel. This tells me Tennessee's done with transfer quarterbacks for a while. Um, now, I, I guess I can't say that with a hundred percent certainty. But you don't go out and sign guys like Nico, who is the number one prospect in the class. And we don't know all the details of Nico's NIL deal, but suffice it to say that Tennessee's NIL collective is investing in Nico. And as you said, we can't know all the details of what might be in store for George McIntyre in NIL, but you don't get five-star quarterbacks uh, in this day and age without having some investment behind it. And I think it's hard... We're, we're seeing this at Tennessee. It's hard to get top-tier transfer quarterbacks. When those transfers see, you got your quarterback of the future in the program. I mean, most transfers, they're, they're, they don't want to come in and sit, right? Um, they're either transferring because they were sitting before or they were a starter somewhere before and they want to continue to be a starter now. And so whether by design or just as a natural fallout to this, yeah, I think the the uh, era of the transfer quarterback at Tennessee, we had it for the first three years of the Josh Heupel experience, two years with Hendon Hooker and a year with Joe Milton. That served their purpose, and in the case of Hendon Hooker, he did more than serve his purpose. He became one of the, the greatest Tennessee quarterbacks of all time. Um, but that necessity of having transfer quarterbacks is now no more, and I think as you got it stacked up here with, with Nico – and now with George McIntyre signing, uh, presumably in December, you have Jake Merklinger in between. I kind of question whether he's going to be the odd man left out. We'll see about that. Um, however, you know the way this quarterback recruiting is stacked up, I think Tennessee is going to be a sign and develop type of place for quarterbacks. And I know even saying that sets me up to be wrong in this era of the transfer but there are still programs that are doing this sign and develop situation. You know, Georgia with Carson Beck comes to mind. And, you know, I think we're seeing around the conference now, there are a lot of transfer quarterbacks still in the SEC for this com- upcoming season. But a lot of the best quarterbacks, you know, I mentioned Carson Beck, we mentioned Nico, there are some others. 
a lot of the best quarterbacks that are set up to be in this conference this coming year are still sign and develop guys. So there is still an avenue for that in college football, particularly if you're signing five stars and then investing in them and developing in them. And that to me is the other thing that sort of joins this list that we're outlining of, of what this potentially means for Tennessee. I think it's a kind of an optimal development for Tennessee in, in terms of quarterbacks. When you come, when Josh Heupel comes in here, uh, he needs to, he needs to enhance the depth chart everywhere. Uh, certainly a quarterback. He was wrong about Joe Milton. He recruited him from Michigan, a transfer, uh, turned out that, uh, Hendon Hooker, the um, transfer from Virginia Tech, signed by previous coach uh, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, he was a better quarterback. Heupel stumbled into him. He didn't stumble into Nico. He didn't stumble into McIntyre. So if you're going to be a sign and development type program, a quarterback, which is a great way to go if you can do it, you can't afford to miss on anybody. You got to keep them coming. Uh, if once, if Nico is as good a player as I think he will be, then Tennessee needs to be thinking in terms of who's next. You got to make sure the next guy is on in the on bats, you know, on bat circle. Uh, because if you miss on a guy, then all of a sudden you got to go get a transfer to keep the offense humming along at the pace you want, you want. So yeah, to me, uh, stacking one on top of another and, and going, you brought up Georgia. That's what Georgia's done. Uh, remember, I mean, it had Stetson Bennett and then of course it, you could go back to Jake Fromm and Justin Fields and, and then, uh, Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck, uh, Brock Vandegrift, Stayed a while, but he was a highly touted recruit. Gunner Stockton, highly touted recruit. He's now Beck's backup. Georgia just keeps doing that. So you lose some to the transfer portal that way. But Georgia hasn't really been missing on guys. It didn't, it never expected Stetson Bennett to be a star. That was fortunate, as Hypel was with Hooker. But it was right about Carson Beck. He stuck around and he became the guy and he's probably top five draft pick in 25. So yeah, really good sign for Tennessee. And you know, you never know what a quarterback might look at things down the road. Would if, if Nico takes a while to head to the NFL, how long would George McIntyre be comfortable sitting? I mean, he did say playing for the Vols is quote a calling, um, but I guess you know in his mind it might be okay. He's got his final year of high school ball this year, while Nico's a redshirt freshman. Then he would come in as a true freshman. Nico would be presumably back as the starter as a redshirt sophomore, and then at that point, Nico, if he wanted to, could go to the NFL after just three seasons. You know, he would have two years of eligibility left. Uh, but if he has two great seasons, you know, these upcoming next two years, he could he could head to the NFL and then you'd have a smooth transition into McIntyre as a redshirt freshman um, or at least a second year player. I'm sure that's the way he's probably looking at it. Right. And it does sort of make sense. I mean, there's there's no guarantees in this. And and if you know, if, if things didn't work out, then Tennessee could need a transfer quarterback again. I'm not saying they're permanently done with transfers. But I do think the way this sets up, it gives them a chance to be that sign and develop program at quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean uh, you can ignore 
the portal in other areas. And Josh Heupel this offseason has not been ignoring the portal. In fact, I would say this might be his best portal performance to date, John. He doesn't have as many incoming guys uh, as we see at other places, certainly not to the degree of, say, an Ole Miss. But I do think Heupel addressed several important needs uh, via transfers this offseason, including Lance Hurd, the uh, offensive tackle from LSU, who played some as a freshman and will come into Tennessee in line to start. So what do you make of the way uh, Heupel is getting it done in the portal in the last month, particularly with with Lance Hurd and, and maybe some other uh, key names that you think would be high impact players here in 2024. I, I really didn't think Tennessee or Heupel did enough work in the portal the previous two years. And this time it started off really slowly. It was, I mean, Ole Miss was hitting it big right away. So were some other schools. Tennessee didn't do that, but it gained momentum as long as the transfer portal stayed open. And so to me, it was, uh, by far, Heupel's best transfer year. Uh, he, it, it's not. Uh, you, he got every position of need. He improved in the offensive line, in the secondary, and in the receiving core. Added a couple of tight ends, a uh, wide receiver uh, who excelled at Tulane, Chris Brazil, and then he's getting back Brew McCoy a wide receiver, proven wide receiver, who had 52 catches in 2022. So the receiving core right away going into next season is an upgrade over this past season. Uh, you look at the secondary, lost a bunch of DBs, but these guys were all expendable. You, you weren't winning with these guys. Uh, they all transferred uh, out in Tennessee – Improved gets a guy from MTSU, Oregon State, and and Temple, and on based on NFL projections, uh, based on production, those are all those are all positive steps for Tennessee from the portal. I think the secondary is better, uh, and I think the offensive line, the receiving core is better, and then the offensive line uh, lost Gerald Mincy, but he got Lance Hurd. A, who was a five-star recruit at LSU. He played some as a backup, as a true freshman. And and keep in mind, he would have started probably at some places. LSU had a veteran offensive line coming back. So, yeah, I expect him to come in and start right away, and he's got plenty of time left to play at Tennessee. He's only been in college one year. So it was it wasn't a good year. I think it was a great year uh, for Josh Heupel in the portal. I, I would say, yeah, pretty pretty darn good at the very least. Um, because in past years, Hypo maybe has had a few needs. And, I mean, he, he had a couple success stories from the portal. Brew McCoy comes to mind. But a lot of times it would be like they had a need. They couldn't get someone, you know, with, with great talent. So they just kind of snag a warm body. And it's like, yeah, I guess you technically filled the need. You filled the roster spot, but I don't, I don't know that you really addressed the situation. As compared to this year, where I think they've not only addressed, but to your point, improved their situation at some of these spots. I think Lance Hurd could be an upgrade on the offensive line. I think Chris Brazel, the, the two-lane wide receiver that you mentioned, could upgrade the receiving core. 
And then the big question to me remains that defensive backfield. Now, I, I would still probably feel more comfortable if Tennessee would be able to grab a, a few more good defensive backs. But when you consider what they've added, you know, Jermod McCoy, in particular, the cornerback from Oregon State, he was a part-time starter last year as a true freshman for Oregon State. You know, he has the potential to be the, the best defensive back pickup that Heupel has had to date. You know, that's a position that comes to mind where in the past, you know, we, we've known Heupel needed to address that position. And he added those warm bodies, those guys drawing breath and, and, and taking space at practice and, and strapping on the pads on game day. But I mean, what did they really add? Not much. Right. Um, whereas I think, you know, in the case of some of these guys this year, you know, I mentioned Jermon McCoy was, was, I mean, he started at Oregon state, so presumably he can, he can step in and start at Tennessee as well. So I, I agree. I think it's his best performance. I think, it, it truly addressed needs rather than filling roster spots. And I, I guess I would like to see Hypo add a couple more guys, particularly, you know, in the back end of that defense. But this is a this is a really strong start in the portal. So it's kind of burning it at both ends here the last few weeks, getting George McIntyre, getting some important transfers here. I would call this, I don't, I don't I mean, high marks really for Josh Hypo in, in this particular offseason. Blake, I, I agree with you on, on maybe a two, getting another couple of players on the transfer portal, and everybody needs to keep in mind the transfer portal will be open again for business uh, after spring practice. So that's certainly an opportunity. I would still like to see Tennessee add another offensive lineman, an offensive guard. That That's the only spot I'm not sure of in the O-line. I think they're pretty well set elsewhere in the offensive line. They're okay with tight end. And if they could have had the one that got away, Evan Stewart, the Texas A&M wide receiver. Now I heard that he's he went back and forth from one school to the other. Some stopped recruiting him. Maybe Tennessee did too, uh, which implied he's uh, could, could be a problem or was hard to deal with. But he's very talented. And a lot of those wide receivers uh, – you know, they, they're hearing that different drum beat and, and they kind of go their own way. I, I the fact that Oregon, high profile offense, very productive, Dan Lanning's a good coach, it didn't hesitate to sign uh Evan Stewart. I would just like I think it would and I don't know if you could do this in the spring, if there's still somebody out there that a big time playmaker, uh, I guess a star wide receiver, uh uh, that would that would pretty much, to me, certify Tennessee as a strong playoff contender if it got that. I think it is a playoff contender because it's filled so many positions of need. I, I also think when you look at transfers, there's a tendency to rate them higher than they are just because of their transferring. It's just like, okay – but when I look at the defensive secondary that Tennessee had and I look at the players it's acquiring through the portal, I just think it's gotten three upgrades in the secondary. And and that that's a much needed addition for Tennessee. Yeah, if if we're getting greedy here, I think I agree with you. One more wide receiver that can contribute would be good. 
one more offensive lineman that can contribute would be good. And then I would still, because of how badly they needed defensive backs and some of the bodies that they lost in that side, I would say one more defensive back. I mean, I know we're, <clears throat> again, it is kind of getting greedy, piling on on top of what they already got, but they, they could use some more help in each of those areas, but really nice start uh, so far. John, before uh, before we go here, I wanted to get your thoughts on the retirement of Nick Saban. I talked to Adam about it last week, uh, but now that I have you, now Adam and I discussed last week who benefits the most in the SEC from Saban's retirement. Um, I said Tennessee benefits. I don't think Tennessee benefits as much as Georgia, Auburn, and LSU. Those would be my top three programs in line to benefit from Saban's retirement. But of course, everybody in the SEC benefits from not having to play Saban. Uh, We're already seeing the transition that Alabama's program is going through, a lot of players transferring out. Uh, So twofold, I I guess, John, just in general, your thoughts on Saban's retirement and where this leaves Alabama, and then also tying in what does Saban's retirement directly mean, do you think, for Tennessee? Well, first of all, when I think of Nick Saban retiring, I can't help but think of Bear Bryant, Bryant retiring at Alabama. Each won six national titles at Alabama. Um, I'm old enough to have covered both of them. And I think it's just a reminder, and you can look outside Alabama for this, all dynasties come to an end. Doesn't mean your program still won't be really good, but the dynasties come to an end. Florida States came to an end with the loss of Bobby Bowden when he left. Uh, Everybody's does. It's just... Fans have a hard time accepting that, but it does. And Nick Saban is arguably the greatest coach of all time. Bear Bryant ranks right up there. Everybody, as you said, everybody in the SEC benefits from this. Tennessee, to me, benefits way more than most teams. For one, if you went to the nine, if you go to the nine-game conference schedule, we're not sure what the SEC will do on that. It scheduling apparently is, takes decades to figure out from an <laughs> SEC perspective. They just I don't know if they don't realize computers can be used in this process. But when I look at that, Tennessee had to play Alabama every year. That's its natural rivalry. and would have con- It would continue to be so with a nine-game uh, con- nine conference schedule. Uh, so you don't have to play in Alabama every year. That was just an automatic loss. I mean, Tennessee finally broke through in 22, but that's the only time it ever beat Nick Saban. So that's a huge advantage. Another advantage, these are bordering states. So you're recruiting head-to-head against Alabama a lot of times. And and one thing to remember, sure, Alabama is going to recruit plenty of good rec- uh, players. Alabama has a good base of talent for high school recruiting not as good as Georgia's, but certainly better than Tennessee's. But the advantage of going to play for Nick Saban, it's it's a huge, again, you have to look at Alabama's. Alabama's really good without Nick Saban, maybe, best case scenario. But with Nick Saban, it's a dynasty. And so players, some players are going to Alabama, not just because it's Alabama. They're going because Nick Saban is there. And some have left there already and have expressed this because Nick Saban isn't there anymore. Yeah, it's still a really good program, but it's not Nick Saban's program. 
and he had a long-standing track record of showing guys how you get from high school to the NFL. I'll shepherd you along that career path. And he did that time and time again, not just with defense, but at every position you could look and see whatever position you play. You could see an Alabama player that Nick Saban signed that ended up in the NFL and sometimes as a first-round pick. So I just think from a recruiting and a record standpoint, it's just a it's a big benefit for Tennessee football. John, as you said with the schedule, it takes approximately 27 years for the SEC to approve a change in the, in the yeah. schedule format. So we don't know what the format's going to look like beyond – this season, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the nine game schedule does ultimately come to pass. And that will involve Tennessee continuing to play Alabama on an annual basis. uh, Likely if that nine game schedule does get approved. So let's say hypothetically, John, that that happens in the next 10 years, how many times should Tennessee expect to beat Alabama. Now, we don't know if Josh Heupel is going to be there that whole 10 years. We don't know how long Kalen DeBoer is going to be there. We know that Nick Saban was at Alabama for 17 years, and Tennessee beat him one time. They went 1-16 and against Saban at Alabama. So in the next 10 years, with Saban out the door, if these teams were to continue playing annually with Saban not on the sideline, where would you set the bar for Tennessee to beat how many times they need to beat Alabama in the next 10 years? Well, both are good programs now, so I'll, I'll take the easy way out and go 50-50. But if you look, I mean, I see Tennessee had a long run to, of success against Alabama when Philip Fulmer was the coach, and Alabama was hiring a bunch of guys named Mike. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so – and I think Kalen DeBoer's a good coach. So I think there will be drop a drop off initially, but I think Kalen Boer, DeBoer is a better coach than what Alabama's hired. Uh, but he's at least the equal, or I, I would say based on track record, I would take him over Gene Stallings coming to Alabama. So the only two I couldn't say would be Bear Bryant and or Nick Saban. How can you say anybody will be as good as those guys? But uh, that concerns me because I have trouble with his name. Uh, Kalen, I sometimes want to put an I in there. DeBoer, I call him DeBoer half the time instead of DeBoer. So I apologize up front to him and his family. It's not out of disrespect, just my own shortcomings. I, uh, I think you're thinking like a columnist there, John. I mean, DeBoer, if if they struggle, that so easily in a in a column trans translates to, I'm <laughs> yeah, bored. <laughs> I, I have thought about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything's looking up for for Tennessee here the past month. Uh, George McIntyre, the quarterback, committed transfers coming in, and Nick Saban deciding he's done as a coach and maybe off to be a television analyst. That's a good development for the Vols. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. We'll see if we can get Adam back from vacation uh, next week or the week after that. And thanks to you, the listener, uh, for stopping by on this edition of the Volunteer State.